Welcome back to the Bitter Dirt Podcast. I'm Sam Stanish. This is a queer legend of Korra super fan podcast. We are here to talk about book two, chapter six, The Sting. Um, with me, as always, is my co-host, Two-Toed Derek. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, they call me that because I, instead of having ten toes, I have just like one gigantic toe on the end of both feet. Yeah, that was a throw. That was a throw. That was throwing me off. I really thought he was gonna only have two toes, but then he had seven to- or six class he had six yeah. toes. The biggest misdirect of the entire episode. <laughs> I was really thrown. <laughs> um, we are so thankful to be joined by a guest who came on for a book one episode. Uh, with us is Triple Threat Auto. Hey. <laughs> Thank you. That was a tie-in to the episode, and you know, I like to think of myself as a triple threat. You know what I'm saying? I do a lot. Uh, I don't know if I'm threatening at any of them, but I do three things. <laughs> and those things are water uh, and firebending. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Fuck airbending because, you know, I, I, I really don't like breathing sometimes. It's just like, you got to do this shit like, like forever. That shit's annoying as shit. It's laborious for sure. Those triple threat people are like singing, acting and dancing or whatever. And it's like none of those. I'm, I'm not really threatened by any of those either. But like fireballs, that is actually pretty threatening, <laughs> especially in comparison to those. But yes, we're here to talk about chapter six, right? Yes. Chapter uh, six. The, the sting. Otto, when I reached out to you about book two, you instantly messaged back saying this was the episode you wanted to do. Uh, what, 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 what were your thoughts on this? Okay, so the reason why I immediately, like, I really, like, the second I saw the DM, I just immediately just hit back, oh, yeah, this thing, because... I don't know if you want me to get into my overall thoughts on this season. Is that okay if I do that now? Go. F- I s- well, well, what well do you we're think? sort of in an <laughs> interesting place with that question because we're not sure if we want to talk about spoilers. Oh, no, no. I'm just going to give a very general thought oh, on this Let's season. Let's just say if you're, like, super spoiler-averse, I guess just tune out for the next, like, 10 minutes. But, I like, yeah, just oh. say whatever you want. No, no, no. This I won't be – this won't, yeah. well, well, I'm not going to give spoilers because one, um, I'm just going to, to answer like the first part, the mm. spoiler free part, because, you know, I don't want to like ruin your, uh, the whole thing for people <laughs> who are like watching along in with the show and listening to y'all along with the show. Um, I am not a fan of season two of Legend of Korra. And going back to the previous episodes of book two, so I guess I can talk about those a little bit, like, mm-hmm. There's a way to make your character or your main character unlikable, but like actually, you know, have it be for a reason and actually like have it, you know, be have some depth, depth to it. And, you know, when I was on here last time on on this podcast last time, I was like, yo, I watched the episodes up leading up to the one we're talking about. So I could like have it all fresh in my memory with this time i'm like yo man y'all book two i uh yeah i'll watch the episode as soon as i get home and watch it like an hour before coming on like that's really like because it really was like yo like from what i recall like Cora was just from the original airing and fun fact after i did your podcast the last time i was here um uh, i actually went on and rewatched the entire show after <laughs> so i watched book one two three and four and once i got to book two i'm like hey you know Book one was interesting to me, and then rewatching book two, I was like, uh, nah, nah, it still sucks to me. Like, you know, just so the sting was also like, it was like a breath of fresh air because it was like a core free episode. So you didn't have to deal with her, like, her, like, for the first, like, it's like the five episodes was just like, I'm the avatar, I gotta be taken seriously. And it's like, okay, but like, and that's fine. But the writers weren't really giving, Cora, any like other things that stemmed from that it just felt like very one note and i haven't rewatched the show in like a couple of years at this point or a year so i might be a little out of pocket talking about cora in this way but nah it really did feel like oh okay she's gone good let's like just do some other shit for an episode and before getting back to like the cora of it all and also rewatching the episode, like, yeah, I really dug it. Oh, I, well, I still dig it, you know, still. Like, it's just cool seeing, you know, Mako and Asami doing their thing. Varric, fucking John Michael Higgins' performance as Varric is just so fucking funny. And Bolin just being 
insufferable to the point where I was like, oh, God, like we just got rid of Korra. Now we got to give her to Bolin, too. Like, come on, son. But nah, his plot tied into the main plot of the episode. So, yeah, I'd say it's like a solid episode all around. Mm, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think you're off base for calling Korra like unlikable this season. I think we've said or at least I've said uh similar things in the past few episodes like i understand where she's coming from but also maybe make it interesting would be my challenge <laughs> to the writers um but uh yeah i and Boleyn becoming i don't know the reply reply guyification of Boleyn in this episode is a little weird yeah because um, <laughs> i typically like Boleyn, but in this episode it was sort of like he's just letting fame instantly just get to his head and he's just having trouble differentiating between like 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 acting and real life and like the movie and real life and it's sort of like okay i guess well in the world of cora like yeah this is literally like the first time a movie has ever been done before and it's like so it's sort of like oh yeah like it kind of makes sense that he's like having trouble differentiating since it's something like this has never been done before but then it got to a point where it was like all right this shit is like like chill bolin like when he kisses his uh <laughs> co-star ginger without her consent he just does it like he improvs a kiss on someone which is like uh yeah, yeah, you know what i mean like bowling is canceled 2022 yeah mm -hmm. but nah it really was like i don't know the nut tuck stuff is cool i you know it's like visually it's cool but you know another thing that i remembered from season two from book two i didn't know it was going to be in this episode also i just picked it because i remember mako and asami going like going like rogue and like doing like the little like sting operation but yeah uh bolin's part of the episode was very much like eh, you know it's bolin so he's gonna have some like funny lines but he was also like very much like a dickhead this episode too <laughs> yeah i will say that the writers are really not afraid to their characters unlikable and i guess i wasn't really thinking about that very much with regard to core over the last couple of episodes in our rewatch but i definitely agree with what you said earlier about how like book two you know we don't have the fondest memories of book two but um something i i did feel like in my rewatch of the first couple episodes i liked it a lot but it is starting to decline um i I do feel like this is a pretty good episode. I do think that the Mako and Korra stuff, or the Mako and Asami stuff, is pretty fun, um, and I just think that it, it, the, the logical consistencies and just like the common sense is where I feel like the, it's just like doesn't make it just doesn't track that any of these characters would do any of these things to me, and so that's where <laughs> I'm having the issues. Yeah, like with Mako and being on the Force, that. You know, they had to give his character something to do besides being just Cora's boyfriend and like a like a like a MMA, not MMA, like a competitive uh, bender, right? Mm -hmm. But him becoming a cop, I do feel like that was like interesting. Seeing him trying to like actually like you know, hey, I think there's a connection between these recent attacks and um, Asami's you know shit being robbed. And then also just immediately, like, once he goes, you know, to, like, the, the triple threats and seeing, like, not seeing, but, like, you know, hearing, you know, about, like, glimpses of, like, his, like, past working with, like, the threats and everything. That was, like, kind of interesting. What was really interesting, actually, was Mako just threatening to, like, fireblade, like, two-toe ping. Like, that <laughs> shit was wild, bro. I'm like, yo, I, I didn't know. remember this part of this episode. I'm like, okay, Mako, okay. I feel He's like really, that like. Oh, the tone oh. of the i was just like this is so unexpected from the show i was just like he like is threatening that he's gonna like torture him for him yeah, yeah and like you know if in the original like avatar the last airbender series like shit got dark too but like you know ang wasn't well out of the gang katara would definitely do some shit like that <laughs> that's what but... i was about to say i was like katara 100 would threaten to mutilate someone yeah um, and actually on to. this show shit i mean Asami's like she's with the shits, but she's like more chill. Bolin is like easily like the lightest, so he wouldn't really go for that shit at all. Mako and Korra, I'd say they're they definitely like if the situation called for it, torture first yeah. and then ask questions later, which that's not how torture works. You ask yeah, questions during the torturing. Them, but and then remember that you were torturing them to get information out of them. Yeah. And Asami's role in the episode. Um I mean, I like their dynamic, you know, 
as friends. Like the kiss, I was like, eh, you know, like I get it. You know, like she just found out that Mako and Cora broke up, which is the same time that, you know, in this episode, like that she found out or she and Peng found out. That's when I'm like, oh yeah, that is what happened. I just like assumed like when the episode started, I just assumed that like Cora was like, presumed dead and just no one gave a shit and then i remembered oh right like they don't actually know what the fuck happened like she actually got pulled down by the dark spirit as mentioned by the Ar- aubrey plaza cousin or however the fuck she's related to cora are they related to cora <laughs> yeah they are yeah, cousins. cousins okay yeah. so mm-hmm. then aubrey plaza's character uh incorrectly assumes that she's dead and then you know we find out you know at the end that she's alive and you know with you know we can get to that later we can get to like the corners <laughs> i want to stick to like the main but yeah like asami's just going through it bro like she hit him mako with the yo like my mom is dead my dad's in jail this company is all i have in my family and then she ends up losing that too at, you know over the course of the episode so i'm like yo asami's really going through it and you don't really like you see the emotion but really asami's just like a solid like partner i love like I don't know what the first five episodes of this book, you know, what the writers like, what made them change course. You know what I mean? I don't know if it was like the reception at the time or if there was like, this was always part of the plan, but it was just cool to just see like the characters like do shit without like the unnecessary drama, you know? Or I want to say unnecessary drama, but like this shit, it was just like, let's just just get to the shit. Let's just do it. You know, I like (laughs) when like TV shows give us episodes where it's just like, the conflict isn't like forced. It felt like a monster of the week episode or like a village right. of the week episode where like yeah. they were like, we have to do this cool action thing and that's what we have to do this week. And I was like, yeah. I'm in. Like that works for me. And but- as much as I like this episode because of that, and I mentioned like the unnecessary like conflict, like you, you do kind of get that with Mako trying to get Bolin to help. And do you think there's a version of this episode that can work with Mako, Asami, and Bolin just like, like while still being an asshole, actually joining them and like just being like, yeah, I'm a star now the whole time. I feel like that would have been cool, but for the episode that we got, yeah, you know, it's solid. I agree. I felt like it would be more fun, or like I don't know, Bolin would be like, of course I'll help you. I'm like, and he has, they have to call him Nuck Tuck the whole episode or whatever. I yes, think it would just be a lot more fun. <laughs> Derek, you said something like really early on, maybe even back when we were covering Avatar, and you were like, in Legend of Korra, they just like do everything they can to keep Team Avatar apart, and they like hate having them all together for they do. That um, was one of my thoughts while watching this episode because mm-hmm. I was like, season one on rewatch isn't as good to me as when I first when like when it originally aired, but I still like dug it or aspects of it. Season two was just it's a no for me, dog. Three and four. <laughs> That's like the when the show gets really fucking good. Like season three is like up there with like the best of Avatar, The Last Airbender, and season four is like a solid victory lap season. But yeah, like the I'd rather watch Avatar, The Last Airbender because the gang was just the chemistry was just there. And with The Legend of Korra, I don't know that the chemistry ever like. They never really find a consistent, like, they change things up. They change the dynamics up too much every season, so you never really get, like, a consistent dynamic with the four of them. Yeah, like, I couldn't explain what Bolin and Asami's relationship is like. Like, I have no idea. And then I also, I mean, Asami and Mako, I'm, and Mako and Korra, I'm just like, they have a relationship, and they, like, but otherwise I couldn't be like, this is, like, how these characters feel about each other. Yeah, there was one episode, I think, also this season with the four of them, like, playing, like, a game and, like, on the stakeout or something. Maybe that, that was season is, three. Um, I don't recall. Book three. <laughs> I know. It's okay. So three. one of the. But, yeah, yeah, they do. I do think, yeah, this is this episode, like, illustrates that struggle that they have. And I don't understand why they didn't include Bolin. Like, I feel like the, um like separating especially Mako and Bolin and like depriving us of like Asaka Katara sort of like let's really nail down like how these two siblings feel about each other mm-hmm. and how they interact with each other uh, especially without Korra there because we've never seen that really we've never seen just these people have an adventure without Korra there to hold them together um so that would have been like to me a way better um episode because like the Nuktuk stuff I think can be funny but 
like on a bigger picture scale, it's just like, it doesn't add anything for me. It feels like they were like, we want to include this idea of the movers in this season. Yeah. And we'll just do it no matter, like, we'll just shove it in there. Like, this is just something that's in the show now. Kind of like Pro Bending felt, where it's like, they had yeah. this cool idea. And regardless of, like, how it actually fit into the show, they just, like, shoved it in there and made it fit. Um, but I I laughed at the fucking, like, talking, like, the talking Pabu reveal is hilarious. The, like, weird puppetry going on is really good. Like, I like aspects of it, but, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, did we have to do this? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, Sam, I like continue. I liked watching them. Like I liked the final product of the movers, and I liked seeing Bolin have a bunch of money to spend. But I didn't really <laughs> care for a lot of like the like making the movers scene. I didn't really feel like anything that they did on set really like contributed to anything uh, for mm-hmm. me, my enjoyment of the episode. Yeah, that's why I like going back to the Mako Asami side of things. I really like it. Was really like the two shots we got of them on like the bait ship were really beautiful <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was like really like purpley and then they showed the same shot again but it was just like more like brown and gray i was like yo this shit looks dope as shit like the animation's still hitting so that's a plus for the episode you know they really did try to go for the whole like it's kind of cliche like oh you're just a rookie you don't know what the fuck you're <laughs> talking about and then <laughs> just Michael immediately going on like nah we're about to do like it really felt like like a buddy cop kind of thing which was cool Mm-hmm. it definitely and, felt like a continuation of in book three we kept like every other book three episode of avatar is like basically like an 80s pastiche and that's what this feels like too i think um just like every kind of like you said buddy cop movie and yeah. what else i like the two toe pain we gotta talk about him more man because <laughs> like it was like this is like some other like part of the episode i liked where it was just like we don't get like how they end up looking at his feet i'm assuming that like either ping brought it up or asami was curious but they're just looking at his feet and then like he has like two one two extra mm-hmm. big toes i think or whatever the fuck which is like and that's why he called me tito ping and i was like what like wait a minute i had to do the math in my head like wait okay that's fine <laughs> and then it was like a lot of feet stuff this episode mm-hmm. and i'm like yo did dan schneider write this like, what the fuck? like yo the nickelodeon connection it's yes there. <laughs> he did seem like the right guy to keep them occupied. Like, obviously, all of the triple threats were hired to keep them occupied throughout the night. But I mean, this guy knew how to talk and keep a conversation going and had a bunch yes. of anecdotes and knew how to rib Mako. So he, he was the right call from the triple threats. Mm-hmm. I feel like regardless of if they were like actually paid to like double double cross them or not, Ping's just like a fun hang. Like <laughs> exactly, I feel like they came out of this like not really mad at Ping. Like they seemed like they could hang with him again. I think. And Mako, even though he did threaten to like cut his toes off, like he did like believe him when he said, "Yo, like some guy we never met before, actually just came up and said, yo, 'Yo, I'll pay you this much to like you know x amount to like betray Mako and Asami.'" Which mm-hmm. brings us to the Varric of it all uh yeah that reveal it was still effective on rewatch it was still like oh shit like yeah that was like very good that was yeah it was like nice it was like his face is so creepy in that shot yeah (laughs) he turned around that chair and i was like oh 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 shit got real and asami doesn't even know yet like i know after this i think the next episodes are like um the Steven Yoon episodes. I'll say that. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. Am I correct in assuming <laughs> yeah. that? Okay, yes. so <laughs> season two was just like mush in my memory, but I remember like those two episodes like being next and being like, oh, okay, we've getting like, you know, things were rough, you know, in the beginning, and then we have like a, a solid episode, and then we're gonna like just give you like some amazing shit with the Steven Yoon episodes, and then back to Korra again, and like, I don't know, it's all very it's all very hit and miss book two, you know? Yeah, she's messy. But, yeah. yeah, this episode <laughs> was fun. I liked it, you know? The two asshole detectives were cool. I was going to say, they, like, for, like, out of nowhere, they put these, like, three fun characters, like, two Toad Ping and the two mustache detectives are just, like, yeah. so fun, such fun characters, and I had no memory of them at all before this episode. Um, before I hate them it. and their stupid mustaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And because like before they even started talking about the mustaches, I noticed it. I was like, 
these guys have great mustaches and then it mm-hmm. became a whole part of their character and their people's impressions of them yeah mm-hmm. i also yeah, forget but... that bay fong like lin bay fong's also in this episode too for like a hot second and i'm like man i i love lin like just like, let's just give a quick shout out to lin man she's such a dope character probably like you know because like the, the chemistry of like the cora asami bolin and mako is sort of like just so like random and chaotic i feel like the adult characters like i love tenzin i love mm-hmm. lin bei fong i love tenzin's kids i love you know like that, that those characters are like the show to me in this like maybe like maybe not like completely but But yeah they're like the most they have the biggest the the most like solid characterization i think and like yes like sam was talking about like you don't really you can't really describe asami and Bolin's relationship but you can like put lin in a room with any given character and like probably have a good guess of like how their interaction is going to go same with tenzin same with the airbender kids like they just are really solidly written characters and then we have our main group unfortunately is like the least developed even though we see yeah. them the most which is yes <laughs> i also love uh tenzin's uh siblings they they fucking rule yeah this is the first episode of the season that we haven't like had a b plot with him and his siblings uh which was too bad i like i've been enjoying watching their vacation but uh hopefully they come back soon yeah um and we learned yeah like we said i kind of blew past it but like apparently core is like thought dead at least to like the her cousins and it's like i'm surprised we aren't getting more like ramifications of that like the avatar is dead guys like yeah but yeah, something mako, but mako says that i don't know if he was lying or if it was like actually like canon because i don't remember like the previous mm-hmm. episode and like how exactly they broke up or what happened after they broke up but yeah uh I, oh actually shit maybe i do remember okay so they mako <laughs> breaks up with her and then she like runs away, and then the dark spirit pulls her down as Aubrey Plaza and the other dude, her cousins are like, yeah, chasing like, her, right? Yeah. Well, for, she's for on reasons. her way. She's on her way to the Fire Nation to ask uh, the Fire Lady, whatever her name is, um, to provide an army so that she can go to the South Pole and free her people and then while she's on her way there her cousins find her and they start having a water bending fight and then a giant spirit comes out of the water and like takes her down okay but my which is like that all is fine like we talked it doesn't really make sense that her cousins were able to find her on her way to the fire nations like who how would she possibly have known that but my thing with the start of this episode is like the twins are already back in the South Pole. Like, my, I, they, people have been doing a lot of teleporting in this season, and I'm not here for it. I it's just, very like, like Game of Thrones season yeah, seven, season eight. Exactly. It really is like, like, yo, it would take you way longer to get here than where you were just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just up. like show up where the script tells them to. Basically, literally, they instantly got to the very most southern point of the universe, and then their dad comes out of the spirit world. Okay, my main, I think my main issue with this episode is that nobody has any positive like like actual reactions to things like their dad comes out of the spirit world and they're like you were you just in the spirit world and then he's like yeah and they're like okay well we'll leave now and then (laughs) nah he said nah he's like yeah don't worry about it (laughs) it's It's not relevant to the plot just yet yeah you'll find out in a couple episodes but like yeah Derek, you're exactly right they're like the avatar is dead and it's like wouldn't that have like i don't know like i feel like some monk somewhere must be able to confirm that right like i don't know shouldn't they know (laughs) shouldn't something happen something yeah just like we kind of like walk like move past that and like mako like doesn't seem to care where she no one seems to care where cora is which is sad (laughs) like like i I feel feel like the closest we get is i I, I thought that they knew that she was going to the fire nation like i don't think Mm. anybody's like particularly concerned just yet because she just left Right. Or and Mako, she left a couple who's... months ago, according to the twins being back in the South Pole already. Who knows? <laughs> but Mako tells Ping and Asami, like, oh, yeah, she's out of town, you know. And then yeah. on the ship, he tells them or finally reveals that they broke up. But, yeah, I guess just to, like, you know, sort of, like, put a lid on that. Yeah, Korra's out of town, which is technically true. And they don't know the extent <laughs> of what happened to her. So, you know yeah the, the, he's not incorrect that's true he's not in the town of republic city anymore yeah um yeah we get uh so we have our sting operation that's what mako and cora are up to 
um, and Bolin is enjoying the fame of uh, being a mover star, um, but also being really terrifying to Ginger, who is like a weird character to me. She like has like a really, she has appropriate reactions to Bolin, but is also just like, I don't know. Something about Ginger is very, maybe it's because her bright red hair just throws me off. Yeah, and as to my recollection, Ginger doesn't ever become more than just the actress in the movers. Right. Yeah. So, it, so you just see her just being weirded out and then just her acting as Ginger, the character in the movers, and then that's it. Like, I wish it could have, like, led to something more interesting for her because, like, the most we get is just her just being very creeped out by Bo Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's too bad that she doesn't have any depth like at all so far or at least in my recollection but like i mean yeah she's there to be an actress she's like i literally just want to make my movies and go home like this is not my <laughs> whole life i'm just an actress uh which i like on a meta level i like the idea of that character but we don't ever see that like intentionality behind her mm-hmm. yeah meanwhile though i am i like we talked before Varric is a fun villain i guess now he wasn't really a villain up until this episode um, and Julie is uh, just a lot of fun. I, I'm always so excited when she pops up. I'm like, oh, yes, thank you. Thank you for making book two just a little bit better by just existing. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I, our episode ends, though, with, like, a cliffhanger. Um, with uh, with a, It's kind of an awkward scene to me, like or, an awkwardly written one, because the way it goes down is, like, Kor's, like, on a beach, presumably in the fire nation because some fire dudes show up mm-hmm. um and they're asked like avatar core what are you doing here and she's like who's avatar core and i feel like that should be where we end right but then it's like we get like a few more lines of dialogue that are just like reiterating that she has amnesia it, like it's one of those things that like either they needed to fill out the 22 minutes or it's studio notes i don't know <laughs> now here's where i think I'm going to give a compliment to book two as a whole with that, with that scene, because (laughs) again, I don't know what made the writers decide to like, like sort of like course correct. Cause the next two episodes are like some of the two of the best in the entire series. I'm just going to say, give that little vague hint, big spoiler, (laughs) but I was saying earlier how like the first five episodes, Korra was so dominant and like i'm the avatar and that was sort of like her only or her like main personality trait and she became a less fun character during those five episodes which i mean if the writing was better i still maintain that if the writing was better they could have made it like more interesting and like more devastating for the viewer being like oh no cora don't do that rather than just being like make the viewer feel frustrated like oh fuck why is she doing this you know what i mean like they're like like the you know like the logic isn't really there like if you think about it like yeah easily like it falls apart when you think about why Korra does certain things in the first five episodes but tying it to the end of the episode like her making her entire identity being the avatar and then having her lose that at the end that's gonna lead to some very interesting things uh, the rest of the the rest of the book mm-hmm. yeah. I agree and oh yeah go ahead Oh, no, I just, I mean, yeah, I think that the amnesia, like, amnesia is, like, kind of, like, a cliche. It's such a hack. Like it's a, such a hack, fucking, <laughs> like, people, I assume trope every time. Are, uh, have played an RPG or two in our lives. Um, <laughs> so amnesia as a plot device is nothing new to us. It can be done well, but every time, like, it's such, like, a whorish, like, at this point, just like, ah, oh, amnesia, all right. You know, yeah. like, expectations are not going to be high, you know, especially when the season up to this point hasn't been great. So then, like, we're watching this from the perspective of people who haven't, who already know how the rest of the season book goes. So imagine watching this shit at the time. Because I remember watching, like, this thing, and I'm just like, this actually, when the show originally aired, I actually stopped watching Korra after this thing with when the amnesia shit happened. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to fall off and, like, just you know catch up later and it took me such a long time to catch up after that like i didn't finish season two until season three was airing you know so it took like a while for me to like finally get back to into finishing season two i think but yeah like i I imagine like what what was it what was it like for you to watching did you watch the show you watched the show when it when it originally aired we did so when you hear when you hear cora say who's avatar cora when the season hasn't been particularly like amazing 
up to that point? Like, what's going through your heads if you can remember at the time? I like, I think that I like, <laughs> I don't really have any memory, but I feel like at the time I had read leaks or whatever and knew what the next two episodes were gonna be. So like, I was like, I guess this is set up for this, like what whatever's coming. I do think that I would be interested in an amnesia focused episode or series of episodes about Korra where because like all we've ever known about Korra is her having no like grown up knowing her entire life that she's going to be the avatar or like is the avatar. And I guess I would be interested in a couple episodes where we saw what Korra is like just as herself without the knowledge that she's the avatar Um, and like just like or and she would like obviously still in her body and in her soul she is the avatar but i would like to know what her life would be like or what her personality would be like without that mm-hmm. but it yeah, seems like I... since she's rescued by these priests who instantly recognize her after washing up on the beach uh <laughs> they we aren't gonna get that yeah um i agree that would have been really nice um my i it's weird Otto. i think i actually did the same thing as you i'm pretty sure i like dipped out of book two after this episode for at least for a little bit um or at least i like was checked out for the rest of the book if i was like watching as they aired um which i like you said it's just like such a cliche and even though I, it leads to some good stuff it's it feels kind of lazy like i feel like um at least book for all of book one's problems at least like it's pretty easy to understand how like Korra not having bending would lead to her feeling like she's not the avatar anymore and so like that was like her identity crisis at the very end of book one which we complained about how it's literally like 10 minutes like not even i think same time it was like five minutes of her not having bending um like that to me like basically what was Sam was saying about her losing her memory, the same idea for her, like losing her bending. Like we just needed to see, I guess, like a stretch of time where Korra could figure out who she is outside of her identity as the avatar. And it feels like this book maybe is trying to like do that because we're obviously like only halfway through the season. Um, So I like, I, I never really thought about those two as like connected, like those two events her losing her bending and her losing her memory. Um, but it does kind of feel like, to use your word, out of course correcting by the writers, but also like to course correct from book one, like, okay, let's actually deliver on what we were trying to do mm. in book one and maybe show Korra as just like Korra and not Avatar Korra. But we'll mm. see if that <laughs> bears fruit. You know, I don't think it's going to. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> talking about oh getting Vennybeck reminded me of. A, an earlier scene in the episode just like mm. where okay first of all i just like don't think that mako would go to the triple threats to do this at all in the first oh place. shit but okay like, that's yes we can like, talk about this because how was that your first well it wasn't his first move i'm not bad it wasn't his first move but it was like Cora <laughs> mako was like feeling awkward so even like he doesn't know what happened to Cora, but he's still like oh i'm not gonna involve her asami says literally she says yo who's like a stronger person to have on our side than the avatar and then michael's like yeah, uh nah she's not really into the plot this week let's move on and it was just like ah, oh, like then bolin was being a dick so like that's two just knows and then it's like bro like michael doesn't have friends man that's the <laughs> michael doesn't have any homies he literally like his ex his brother asami's already on your team and then the only other people you can turn to is the fucking, like, gang you used to be a part of. That's, like, kind of, like, fucked up. Yeah, okay. And, like, he's on the police force now, so it's just, like, would this even happen? But also, their negotiation tactics are terrible. He, like, instantly is, like, Korra can give you your bending back, and then Asami's, like, and I can provide you with a fleet of ships. It's, like, you're gonna give these criminals your, like... <laughs> Your money know, and, your and they never their... explore the ramifications of what that could mean like of like hey like there could actually have been like some like interesting shit either in this episode or the next one or the future ones where it's like yeah like let's have like the good guys like actually like you know actually like need some shit from the bad guys sometimes like and then also since they all live in the same city they actually they actually could have made that work actually could have made been some interesting like hey like not everything is black and white all the time 
the same way Cora saw things and I guess in this particular book you know they could have found a way to tie everything together like thematically or something but now it was just like yeah we're just gonna give you shit and then we're gonna you know find out what's going on and they'd never really go any deeper than that yeah, yeah. I mean there's like just so much they could have done to improve like Republic City as a living breathing organism it's like mm. Shady Shin is not a character who I have any impression of before this episode and they're like going to him to like do this operation together but it's like I it's like what you're saying it's like he should he should be this character who I'm familiar with who like they have to go to sometimes to like work together or or find out information like, yeah exactly it, it just it, it should, it should be mean, more detective like i guess that's what i i feel like we're kind of bumping up against this idea when core was first like announced i feel like people especially with like the promo art of it people were expecting kind of like avatar does batman where like we're in this like sort of seedy city where there is like a criminal like underground or like and our heroes will have to deal with that um, and that like never really happens. Like we're always dealing with like some larger existential threat. Um, but this is like the closest we're kind of getting. We're like kind of bumping up against this idea of like, yeah, what if literally Asami, the only way she can get her uh, company back in like to life is by giving it to like her product to a bunch of criminals. And then like, how does the city react to the fact that like the triple threats are driving around in future industries cars? Like how does that, the media react to that? And um like there's just like so many and they like we're also like kind of ex starting to explore that too with the idea of like asami literally turning into a war profiteer like last episode but it's just like the episode's like oh as we're about to get there nope just kidding we're not gonna go for that kind of yeah. story i guess and now i don't want to just keep harping on like book two as a whole because i haven't rewatched re it in a while mm -hmm. and i want like my thoughts just to become like just muddled mm -hmm. like my memory of the season or book <laughs> is muddled but it's like yeah the more we talk about this episode the more it's like yeah there's like some things that maybe could have been improved on, even though I do like this episode, but mm -hmm. yeah. And also bringing it back to book one, like the whole thing with the, the equalists that could have been handled better too, in retrospect. Cause like they did have a point and then they just sort of like, just forget about what they were trying to say about like how benders are like, like they think they're superior. They can do whatever they want. And then Cora proceeds to prove them right by doing whatever she wants and shutting down their protests. Like, bro, like that's some cop ass behavior. You know what I mean? Like, that's not cool. I mean, one of our characters is now literally a cop. Yeah. <laughs> He's just trying I, to solve the case. And that's like, that's like fine. That's like a fine, simple motivation for an episode like this. It's mm -hmm. cool. But yeah, there's so much more out there that could be done. I at this point i think they got the so book. used to in avatar the last airbender like writing for a villain who there is no argument that they could have a single point like fire lord ozai's goal is to completely eradicate the earth kingdom at the end of the <laughs> season like he wants to commit genocide and it's like nobody could look at that and be like well that's kind of a gray morality thing like they like they don't even <laughs> go into it in avatar they're like this is a bait like this is him as a baby and that's like most of the human humanizing of him as we get like yeah he was a kid at one point but now he's like a true evil person like the 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 conflicts in legend of korra are much more mature or like could be could easily be written to be a lot more two-sided or like have three-dimensionality to them but they just continue to write them on the same level as the massively evil fire lord ozai and it's just <laughs> like there, no there's no like thought process behind the villain like would shady shin give mm. up a chance at getting his bending back to get more money from this invisible anonymous group for like no reason at all i just like i'm i don't think that he would like i think that he really wants to get his bending back and like this is the one opportunity he will ever have to get it and it just like doesn't make sense to me and i'm just like when did they when did they get hired out from under mako and asami like oh no no they actually explain that uh because when mako's interrogating um uh to Toping, he basically says, oh yeah, as soon as you and Asami yeah. left, this guy shows up and he immediately just offered us like just a whole lot of money to betray you. So I was curious about that as well until that scene where he actually reveals like, oh no, we were, we agreed to the deal, but then this guy shows up and made like a better deal, I think. So 
Yeah, I think maybe maybe Shady Shin just got, got outvoted because they're like, we don't give a fuck if you have bending. Like, we want them money more. <laughs> um, but I agree, Sam. Like, that to me is like very emblematic of how I wish the show was like more willing to stay small in terms of like the like physical. Like, obviously, I think they were um, under like they knew people like in the fandom were like, we want to see more of like how the Avatar world in general has changed since avatar and i like i understand that like i understand that sort of desire to see that but i think if we're looking at legend of korra as just like a story it needs to be just about republic city and i think like establishing the like triple threats is like an actual like these actual characters like i keep forgetting like every time i rewatch the show i'm like oh yeah that was a thing these are characters who are in the show apparently like i think there's a version of legend of korra where um republic city does feel like a really fleshed out location and it's just the fact that they all like they want both they want to both have republic city and also show us what's happening in the north and south pole like oh man it's we, like you just can't do that in 12 episodes like it's like just we say possible. like we're saying this now and then i remembered that like correct me if i'm wrong but legend of korra was only supposed to be like a one season show so when they got that renewal they were like shocked and they like really had like maybe i don't know how much time they had but they really had to like just come up with a whole lot of material to deliver seasons two and i don't to deliver book two and i don't know if the renewal was only for book two and then they just went book by book or if it was just like yeah we're just gonna have you just do like two yeah. more seasons or three more seasons like i really feel like legend of korra seasons three book i keep saying seasons book three and book four or when the show becomes great like again book three is like fucking up there and book mm -hmm. four is like a good victory lap season that really like treats like Cora's issues in like a more like fleshed out way but and honestly like i don't know nickelodeon man who the fuck's running nickelodeon like they, <laughs> we could have gotten we could have gotten more legend of chorus seasons i don't know if it was a creator's choosing to end it or if nickelodeon was like nah we're, we're good but yeah i would have liked to see more seasons of legend of Korra after they sort of figured out how like figured out their it. storytelling more <laughs> yeah because book two to me That's is like book two to me is like the show tried to double down on season one book one style storytelling but it just like wasn't working because it felt like more of the same like you know and yeah like i feel like it's things could have gotten deeper and i think with these next two episodes after this one like they do get a little deeper and it feels like like it, it's not as surface level even this episode feels kind of surface level with the shit they're dealing with, even though there are interesting hints, but it's still like, nah, we want more. Mm -hmm. We want yeah. more. On the renewals, I'm pretty sure they got season two by itself and then three and four at the same time. Oh. Um, I'm pretty sure it was canceled because I they must, I think it, they truly just had terrible, terrible ratings because by the end of season four, they were literally only putting it on the website. So like, they like, I think that happened with season three also. Maybe. I can't remember. Maybe season four is entirely online. And then by the end of season three, they were putting it online. I can't okay. remember. Um, but the, Okay, yeah, I think that they, well, we've been drawing, drawing a lot of parallels to book one because there are just so many things where it feels like a retread. Uh, like, I just feel like the the conflict has been shifted to be like, because in book one, it's equalists versus benders. And it's like the benders are seen as, are the equalists are saying that the benders are this all powerful group who like control everything and like they have so many benefits and we know as the viewers that that's true but the tv <laughs> show doesn't want to grapple with that but the conflict maybe the maybe the writers are thinking that the where they went wrong with the conflict was that the bad guys were the minority group and they had less power because in this season now it's like north pole versus south pole and it's sort of the same thing but now the north pole who are like this really high-powered militarized state like are the evil people where the south pole are like i don't know they're pretty well developed but they're like less so than the north and they have less power or whatever it's it's a very similar conflict to me especially the two waterbending brothers but it's just i don't yeah, know there's just not it's, a lot of thought there is like that and then you like then they also do want to do like the whole Varric thing they want to do 
like it's just like they I don't, they had like a million ideas that they wanted to do and they decided to put them all in book two um and i think that's why it feels like you said auto before it feels like very like up like hit or miss i think was the word like word you used like because it does feel like they threw stuff at the wall hoping some stuff would stick and some stuff does but i feel like for the most part most of it does not stick a lot of it like just dude like, like i'm <laughs> i remember book three and book four a lot better than i remember book two and outside of varick and judy i really do not like think the characters who are prominent in book two are like like they pop up after this of, yeah they don't like jump off the page like i feel like in avatar this is something we always talked about was like every character like just like jumps off the screen pretty immediately like that was like a huge thing in the avatar fandom as uh last airbender was airing it was like even these minor characters who were in a single episode had like entire fanfics written about them and like people would cosplay as these one-off characters who never showed up again because like the writing was that like punchy and strong on avatar whereas with Korra, it's like you get these like side characters who maybe have like fun visual designs but like as characters they just kind of serve a plot purpose and that's really right. it i mean and, i definitely wait to your we're all just oh, like we really want to <laughs> adding yeah. to what i do remember uh the Aubrey Plaza. I keep saying like the Aubrey Plaza. I mean, that the, is honestly the, like her biggest defining trait is it's Aubrey Plaza's yeah. voice. <laughs> what are their names? Eska and Desna? Yes. And Eska is Aubrey Plaza's character. So I remember the two of them and then like their dad shows up. I have no idea. I don't even remember what the fuck his name is. Like, he just shows up. I'm not like he's the main villain. I already know. He pulled up at the Spur Gold and he's not supposed to be there or whatever. <laughs> so I already know like I remember his whole deal. And I'm not gonna say it now because I was gonna I almost caught almost I almost spoiled it. I'm not gonna say it, but I think I remember his whole deal. But mm -hmm. yeah, lame, lame, just like you're yeah, the characters become more memorable in book three and four for sure. For Absolutely. sure. I think the most exemplary thing or example of what you're talking about, Derek, is the triple threats. Like they are the first villains that we see in the show. Like it's one of the first scenes where Korra like fights some of these triple threat triads and we haven't gotten a memorable triple threat or like well thought out triple threat triad until ping who I don't even remember. Like it's just like I, before it, in when Lita was on and she's seen the show many times, like, she had, she didn't even remember the triple threat triads like were characters but and i had no memory of them extending past their like small part in season one but now they keep showing up and i have no access to them like i they have they're not in my mind at all like i have no memory of them meanwhile well, i, I can think, think part of, of why that is episode, like villains in avatar the last airbender be like that was a character and that's why like when june comes back in the season mm -hmm. three finale of avatar after being off for two entire books everyone was like oh my god like this girl who was in like eight minutes of the show before is like everybody's so excited if they did that with two-toed ping people would be like no memory of that guy <laughs> i think part of why we don't remember the triple threats fondly is because it's they're tied to Mako's like Mako and Bolin, but it's mainly like Mako talking about it. And as a character up to this point, Mako was really just like the love interest, the firebender competitive guy, and then just like he's very stoic. And Mako as a character is actually like he's like okay, he's like fine in this episode, but season three, book three, and book four, Mako, I feel like is underrated. Because they actually find a way to make his stoicness like more consistently like amusing and funny, you know? Yeah, in this book, he's just like a bad boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would compare Mako's character development in Legend of Korra to Angel's character development from the show Angel. And that like, yeah, they're both like stiff characters and they sort of do maintain that stiffness, but it, they become more interesting as the series as their respective series go on, you know, like angels definitely like a stoic kind of dude the whole time. But I want to say from season three to the end of the show, he's very like fastidious and like, a, he's a huge fucking dork. He's very like nerdy about certain shit. Like you can see other sides of angel while still having like the whole like stoic, like, Oh, I'm like brooding persona. So it becomes kind of like fun. And Mako 
And again, I mean, hey, have me back on the podcast, y'all. For book three and four, and I could like maybe like chart like Mako's like you know sort of like nah, Mako's a good character. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I don't know if he ever becomes a great character, but he does become like someone you like seeing more of. I think mm-hmm. this goes back to us not being able to identify relationships between the characters. I think they just don't have somebody that Mako can play off of very well. I think that him and Bolin is fun, but they continue to just like not have them in scenes together. And otherwise he's interacting with like other police officers who are also like still stolid and like, just like mad at him when it's like, we we need somebody who is like fun to, if I can have, if I can give a a vague, a vague spoiler, Mm -hmm. they, Mako does have that relationship in book four. Yeah, yes. no, I know that's what, I, and that's it might be like the most about. like consistent relationship that any of the Cora team of that any of Team Cora has with like anyone else, and it's not even with someone in Team Cora. It's literally just like <laughs> another character they introduced. And I remember mm-hmm. Mako's dynamic with said person because it was like a consistent relationship. You saw them together like all the time. Yeah, whereas. I think- with the four core team core members, you barely see them together all the time. It's very weird. Which is why I think that the kiss at the end of the episode makes me annoyed because I was like enjoying them in this episode. And now yeah. it's just going to be further fodder on like the relationship dynamic like storyline that I just like nobody cared about in book one, I feel. <laughs> and now they're continuing to do this breaking up, get back together thing. Like Mako and Cora haven't even been broken up for. 20 minutes on the show and now he and Asami are kissing and that being said Michael didn't seem like he didn't seem opposed but he didn't seem very pro either he was very much about like still like nah I'm trying to like I'm gonna help you like solve the case oh you kissed me real quick oh it's okay like he didn't really seem overly enthusiastic about it they didn't talk about it at all we didn't we don't we don't know why any of it happened or what either of them are feeling about it and this was like a 44 minute episode in a 23 minute like time limit that's what that's what this episode felt like Mm -hmm. you know absolutely like i mean it does take a long like it's over halfway through the episode before we actually get to like the actual sting like it's like so much has to happen yeah it's a very i don't know messy season overall and i i I definitely have my issues with this episode but i think i'm just like really excited for what's to come (laughs) more so i think yeah i've never watched rewatched the episodes past this upcoming two-parter so i really have no memory of what goes on um i'm excited to remind myself neither does cora (laughs) that's true i I hope I feel more like the first four episodes than these past two episodes where I'm like, hey, that was better than I was expecting than now where I'm like, none of this makes any sense at all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody else have any final thoughts? I'm really excited for the Varric's villain turn. I think that he was Mm -hmm. always like a, obviously a shady eccentric capitalist, but now he's, you know, actually doing something duplicitous stuff and it's an exciting i i did, had no memory of where the bombs were coming from so it, that's an exciting turn and i'm excited for that but oh wait yo wait wait hold up i'm wait i'm a i'm a fucking idiot i'll keep talking about how like the team cora dynamic was like felt like chaotic and didn't really make s- sense all the time and then i remember oh yeah uh korasami i'm fucking bugging like but <laughs> And the show has given us, like, Korasami throughout the show every time they've interacted, but it hasn't really become, like, oh, like, I'm seeing it now. Like, I haven't gotten there with their relationship yet, but, yeah. Yeah. And to the people watching the show for the first time, ignore what I'm saying. Kurosami, what's that? You'll find out if you haven't been finding out already. I feel like we have used that word before. There's, like, they had their whole sapphic... uh, go-kart scene in book one i think that's a yeah. total it's on our radar for sure but i think it's just a, it, it's symptomatic of the their dynamic like we we're talking about how this this whole book so far they're just like not interacting i don't know i feel like okay so i think what to make what i've been harping on actually make sense the friendships don't feel like as tight the friendship <laughs> dynamics don't feel as tight with amongst themselves, you know. There like, are, are no friendship dynamics. Out? There are no friends. Like none of them are friends with each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- those are all my really thoughts on this episode. And but I'm just like really very excited for um, what uh, when we do a two-parter next week, right? We're doing both episodes. Both. 
Yes. So that's our, our viewers, our listeners' homework for next week. Otto, um, thank you for joining us. Do you have any final thoughts on this episode before we uh, ride our motor boats off into the sunset and get attacked by a spirit? Man, justice for Ginger, man. <laughs> Hashtag I, justice for Ginger. Real I shit. She deserved way better this episode. She got like maybe like the short end of the stick the most out of everyone in this episode. She gets harassed by her coworker, and like that's all that happens to her. Yep. <laughs> terrible. It's fucking terrible. So exactly. I um, actually do have yeah. another final thought. I realize now. Mm-hmm. I I just feel like in an in a season where it is water versus water, like they we all of the conflict is around these water tribe people fighting each other. I really feel like they are doing the most to nerf water bending. The Mako has a fight with a guy ship ship combat. And, like, all the water guy is doing is, like, flinging water at him, like, small little pieces of water, where it's, like, you're literally on the ocean. (laughs) You have to be more creative than that. (laughs) I feel like in the the northern versus southern tribe conflicts, we've, like, there there was some cool stuff in, like, the tiny, like, when Mako or when Korra was trying to save her uncle or whatever, stop her dad from doing something. But, like, I feel like there should be, like, huge waves being tossed at people, and we just really aren't seeing it, and it's I completely ignored like the action sequences in this episode just because it wasn't really the point of the episode for me. I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it from like in the context of the of book two as a whole, as opposed to like, oh yeah, like the fight sequences were cool. It's like, nah, man, like the fight sequences were fine. Like Mako was fighting like the dude on Asami's boat when she was driving, that was cool. But yeah, I was just ignoring like a lot of shit because it was just like, yeah, obviously, if you like, it's another example of if you think about it for more than a minute, it's like, wait, why did he just create like a tidal wave and just drown them? Like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> just do that. Like, what the? Come on, dog. Yeah, you're not. A tr- you're not even a single threat. What the fuck are you doing, dude? <laughs> I think they're just like obsessed with the idea of it being the 20s and wanting bending to feel like boxing or whatever as opposed to martial arts. But it, I don't care about that. I want it to be big and flashy, not like like tiny punches. Agreed. Um, But yeah, um, hopefully more flashiness next week with our our big two parter. And Otto, I'm so excited to get you on a season that you actually like (laughs) because, as always, we love talking to you. Nah, real (laughs) shit. Like, Legend of Korra's legacy to this day is still like, I feel like it's still very split. There are people who absolutely like love the show and there are people who absolutely just pretend like Legend of Korra doesn't exist. And it's like, like I wish the people who were in that latter camp, like just rewatch the whole show, but pay special attention to book three and book four. Cause they were doing some like real shit storytelling wise in, in those seasons. And I wish, uh, those two books in particular got more credit because they're really fucking great. We completely co-sign and I never, mm-hmm. I literally would never have agreed to doing a Legend of Korra rewatch podcast if those two books didn't exist. So mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And I, it'll be interesting to see how Legend of Korra's like reputation changes as we potentially, I don't know. We haven't heard anything in a long time, but potentially get more avatar with the whole avatar studios thing. That's supposedly still happening. Um, but, you know, for now, like Sam said before, I'm not as, like, angry at Book 2 as I have been in the past right now. So, yeah, I'm I'm ready to keep on chugging along. Um, Otto, do you want to remind the people where they can find you on the internet? Oh, yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Otto Fernandez and follow me on Instagram at Otto underscore Fernandez. But you have to spell the word underscore. Mm. <laughs> of course um and uh you can find me at reindeerix on twitter you can follow my other podcast with our good friend christine palin uh at shadow play gaze on twitter where we talk about uh the anime revolutionary girl utina um lots of fun stuff we were on a little bit of a hiatus last week but we're coming back strong we're still you know making our way to the end uh yeah what about you sam uh i'm sam stanish on instagram and twitter uh you can follow this podcast at predators pod on instagram and twitter we had some amazing survivor coverage over the past week in case you are listening to this and are a survivor fan but don't know about our other survivor episodes we talked about (laughs) we talked with the winner of survivor 41 erica and nasir over the weekend so both those episodes and interviews are out to listen to now um 
I I think that yeah, I'm on the Bojack Horse Pod the same day that this episode comes out. So fun. Uh I love Bojack Horse Pod. It is the best. Um and we're talking it was like a season five episode, uh the Princess Carolyn episode. It was so fun to go on. So go listen to that. Go, uh follow us on Twitter. We're very funny. Uh and follow me <laughs> at Tim Sanish. Okay, that's it. We have the official Erica Erica, the winner of Survivor 41, says we make her laugh out loud. So what more could you need? Make of that Twitter? what you will. Yes. <laughs> uh, but thank you again so much, Otto, for joining us. Um, and thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye.